Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring visions into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Lisa Danielle. As an intuitive mentor, seer, guide, author, and speaker, Lisa empowers and inspires women to connect to their true essence and their infinite source of power, returning to their hearts so they can live, lead, and create from this place. Lisa does this through her wholehearted method, which is trademarked, a 90-day intensive where she supports women to cultivate a deeper connection with themselves and the world around them by illuminating what is true and what is standing in their way and helping them to cross the bridge from head to heart. Lisa is a light leading the way home for others, embodying a life lived from her whole heart. You can contact her. I'll give you, actually, I'll give you all the contact information a little bit later when we get on the other side of the break. So I just want to say welcome to the show. Lisa, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I adore you. I love what you're doing in the world. And I'm really, really grateful and really excited about what this conversation is going to open up for us and for those that are listening. Yeah, beautiful. So Lisa, let's start with talking about leadership. And I'd love to have you share, were you the kind of kid who, you know, lined up all of your stuffed animals and told them what to do and had them follow the leader or, you know, the the young woman who was running for class president or did leadership was leadership something that you have evolved into or grown into or been called into? That is such a great question. I've never been asked that. And it's an interesting one because everyone but me saw me as a leader from a very, very young child. I was unconventional. I was very much knowing what I wanted. I saw things that other people couldn't see. And I led myself, not necessarily back then in a great way. It was actually a very unhealthy way. I was quite a rebel. But insofar as the people that I now am connected with that I went to school with, they all say, oh, my God, you like you saw things that we couldn't see. You were an exceptionally strong leader. But because of my low self-esteem and the way I perceive myself, I never saw that in myself. So I think it's something that I've come back to and known. Like I now know that I am a seer, a visionary, a leader, but in obviously in a very different way as an adult, as opposed to a child or teenager. Yeah. So I love that you bring in the seeing right away, because I feel like a lot of leaders are visionary. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's really about leading visionaries, which is 
a little bit different than necessarily just straight up pure leadership stuff. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to have you talk about maybe your very first experience of seeing in a visionary way what others could not see and how you navigated that for yourself first. Like, oh, I'm seeing something. You know, did you say what you saw or did you keep it in? You know, how did you navigate that for yourself first? And then when you did express what you saw, how did you navigate the maybe backlash sometimes that you might have received from from seeing? Well, I'm going to go with the sort of the most prominent, which was when I was at school. When I was at school, what I saw was an institution and a structure that quashed the life out of people. And it was a very much the schools that I went to were very much you do it a certain way, you behave a certain way, you look a certain way, you've got to fit into this structure. And even the way looking back, the way that we were taught and what we were taught and how we were taught and how we were spoken to, it was so, I saw it as so wrong. Now, I bucked the system. So I had a very authoritarian father and then I went to these very authoritarian conservative schools. So instead of actually being able to speak out, I didn't have the language back then or the confidence to be able to articulate or maybe even the knowing to articulate this is wrong. I'm not because there was so much against me. I had my family against me and the schools against me. So it didn't end so well back then because I was asked to leave two schools in a row. And so that played out throughout my life and that sort of created a lot of the, I want to say, the havoc and the angst and sort of going down to this rock bottom when I was, you know, 20 years ago. But looking back now, that is what I saw. I just didn't have the ability to stand up to authority because I had a major issue issue with authority for years because of all this, because of seeing the way that they led, Mm. which for me was so inauthentic and out of integrity. That was a major, major thing for me. Like their words didn't match the actions. What they said didn't not and not didn't even just not them match the actions. It was the energy because I'm a seer, and so what I also see is the energy in which somebody shows up. So they can say something, but if they're not aligned energetically, I can see it. It's so clear to me, mm-hmm. and it was back then. Yeah, interesting because my. F- Like if I were to just have to answer as well the first time I saw and what I saw was, as as you said, this broken link between what was being said and what was being done was in the church. And I was 13 years old and a friend of mine, she and I were taking care of the the littlest kids because nobody was like, we volunteered to do that. And then somebody got their hair across their butt and decided that we were not fit to be taking care of these little kids for some reason. And And at the same time, there was all of this stuff going on in the church where the minister was having an affair and like, like we knew it was happening and it was like the first time in my life was right, right around 13, 14 years old where I was like, these people are saying one thing and, you know, showing up and being pious on Sunday and Monday through Saturday, they're, you know, doing each other's wives or whatever, you know what I mean? So out of congruency with what 
the messaging was of the institution. So it's fascinating that we have similar mm. experience there. So mm. let's talk then about as you went through your own evolutionary process and as you navigated being essentially outcast, like part mm. of part of what happened for you was you were outcast, right? As you navigated that, what did you do for yourself? Either, you know, getting outside support or doing internal work. What did you do for yourself to value your own vision and to keep affirming for yourself, I am actually seeing what I'm seeing. I'm not freaking crazy. That only started 15 years ago. But it was, it's been a long process to get to the point of actually seeing that I do see things and validating it rather than questioning it because I had my whole life being spent with being told that what I was seeing or what I was doing was wrong. So it's been a, quite a process to come back to know that I see the invisible. I see what others can't see. And so, yeah, again, it's been a process. It started 15 years ago where I was really so disconnected because what I saw was so wrong or being told it was so wrong. So it was a very long process of coming back to, okay, who am I? And what I see is okay and it is valid and it is valued. But more so the seer probably in the last five years is really anchoring in because it took me quite a process to come back home. I was such an outcast, so rejected by society and my family that it was a long process to come home to even knowing who I was and then valuing who I was in order to then value what I what my gifts are. And one of these gifts is very much a visionary and a seer. Mm, yeah, beautiful. And so on that journey, what are some things that you did for yourself to finally, first of all, come home, maybe first come home, and then begin to value your vision? Like, what do you do now to keep reaffirming for yourself? I'm not crazy. I can see you know, what do you do now? Okay. That's a really great question. So what I do now is I'm really clear about the people I speak with. Really, really clear. So if I'm engaged in a conversation with somebody who's not at the, it's not even the same level. It's just that they don't see, not necessarily that they don't see life the way that I do, but they are tapped in, turned on by the things that I'm turned on by then I won't be, I won't enter into conversation because that's where they'll flip into the constructs and the way the world is built, whether that's the education system or working time for money, whatever it might be. I'm really clear about the conversations I'm part of now, which is why, as we know, our time and our energy is the most, our most precious commodities. What I do is that I visualize a big part of my day throughout the day is visualizing and embodying that which I see and really acknowledging when I see something. So, you know, my clients are constantly affirming also that I see things that they can't see. I see, I join dots that they can't, that are not presently available. So I'm constantly getting that affirmation, that that reminder. I have no idea how I saw those things, but I saw them for you. And they're affirming that what I'm seeing for them is treasure. It's gold. So it's throughout the day, it's peppered. It's not just one thing, but very much standing in the knowing and even naming I'm a visionary, I'm a seer, mm. is affirming for my being. Like my cells know that they believe it now. Beautiful. I love it. 
All right. Well, we're going to go to a short break. We're a little early to go to the break, but I know that if I ask the next question, we're going to go over the break. And so thank you for sharing that. And let me just say for the listeners, I want them to hear part of the work is it's an ongoing practice of affirming your visionary nature and using phrases, even like I am a seer, I am a visionary, and really claiming that using those power words, I am, right? When you use those words, I am, you are declaring this is what you are to every part of you at the cellular level, all the way up to the spiritual level. So what I heard Lisa say there is it's an ongoing practice to continue to affirm your visionary capacity. And so we're going to take a break. So listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at www.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. Interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground? You can apply to qualify for a complimentary consult with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the website. Be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Australia. And we will be right back with Lisa Danielle. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently, who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world, who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable that it will come to pass. Your word is your wand, and as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Lisa Danielle. You can find Lisa on Facebook mostly at Lisa Danielle Love. And we will have that for you in the show notes. We'll have that link for you in the show notes. So before we went to the break, Lisa, we were talking about valuing your vision, which is one of the things that I think is really important for anybody, first of all, for visionaries, and then certainly for leading visionaries. What I'd like to talk to you about now is as you have found your way home to yourself, ultimately what ended up happening was you also found a way through to begin to serve others with your unique body of work, the wholehearted method. So if you would like, I'd love to have you share a little bit about the wholehearted method and about the people that you serve and maybe share a really fun success story of one of your clients, if you'd like. 
Mm, yes, they're always fun. I've got a beautiful one. So the whole Heart of Method was burst when we worked together, and I was thinking it was two years ago now. Mm-hmm. That body of work came through me, and as we were talking about just before we jumped on this interview was this body of work has been quite extraordinary because it really has me do the work. So the wholehearted method, you know, I understood it conceptually. It made sense to me. It was, you know, it came through me. It wasn't something that came from the head. But two years in, I'm really seeing how the process is having me live wholeheartedly. And it's not, a lot of people say it's about living from the heart, the heart, not the head. That's not That is not an easy thing when you have been conditioned like the majority of the world, if not all the world, to live from our heads because we become disconnected. Um, (laughs) We're constantly plugged into the source outside of us to seek validation and belonging and safety and security and love and all the things. So the wholehearted method is a process of one coming home to no self, authentic self, and that in itself is a journey. And I think my experience is that's a forever (laughs) because who I am today is not who I thought I was two years ago. But it's also what I'm really sort of been working with at the moment is I was a perfectionist. I had perfected the perfectionist. And, you know, we talked about it when I worked with you, let's go and put the perfectionist in the hammock and let her rest whilst I'm working. That can be done for periods of time, but when you've lived that way, it's such an unconscious way of living. Everything, everything you see and do and believe and have is born out of this there is nothing, there is no space for any imperfection. And so I'm really seeing that the women that I'm working with, they're predominantly women, have been are women that haven't even seen just how much this perfectionistic way of being and thinking and living is undermining any ability to have what they want or create what they want. And these women have done a lot of work like Mm. I have. Mm -hmm. And I just want to touch on something because it's really been coming through more so in the last 12 months is that at the base of the issue to actually even really come back to living from the heart is there is so much shame and so much guilt that is hidden from these women because these women are capable and they're successful. But until that work is done, and it is deep work to really uncover the mask that is hidden underneath, once we start to unwrap that and unveil that, it's not as actually as scary as people perceive or may think, and that's where the magic comes and that's where there is the space to start to return to heart. But Mm. until that work is done, I think a lot of people bypass that. Totally. And say, oh, I want to live from my heart. Great. But did you know that there is a voice inside your head and in your being that is having you feel less than imperfect, wrong, broken? Mm. Yeah. And all of that is living in your body and in your heart. And from what I'm hearing here, and you and I are, we go way back. We do have a relationship with one another. And I was part of that co-creation of that body of work with you. When we set the intention, we don't always recognize that the suppressed, whatever it is, whether it's the suppressed perfectionism, the suppressed shame, the suppressed guilt, that 
as soon as you start to stir the pot, that has to be processed. It has to be processed. And and so your process that you take people through is this beautiful safe container that allows for the spaciousness to not only get more fully embodied and more living from the heart, but to get all the crap out of the way that has been in the way for maybe their whole life that's kept them from that. Because how do you, how can you be authentic and show up in the world authentically if that's at play? Because you won't. How can you allow yourself to rest and play when that's at play? No, because you'll be addicted to doing to prove that you are all the things. So if that is unresolved, then it is impossible to live wholeheartedly because wholeheartedly is what courageously, authentically doing meaningful work in the world, trusting your intuition, you know, allowing, I think I said, allowing yourself to rest and play. And a lot of the women that I work with, and I, I, I put my hand up, I was included in that. I was so addicted to doing because the doing was born from a need to prove to prove success, to prove that I was worthy, to prove that I was valuable. And that is a big piece of the work which I've had to do myself is to become unaddicted, that's not a word, but to completely detach and train my body to know a new way of being mm-hmm. because it was so, it was like a wild horse. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of the process in living wholeheartedly because that is out of trust. There is no trust when we're doing, doing, doing. That's true. True. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit then about this idea of letting go of what doesn't serve anymore. And, And from a space of being a visionary leader, I mean, I'll just share with you in my own evolution, and I've seen it with my clients, you know, yourself included, in my own evolution, I have found that I aspire to fully embody. And I don't always get all the way. And so there's this part of me, and we were talking about this in the green room, there's this part of me that's like, if I can't be walking my talk, right, then I can't really be out there in the world enrolling other people to walk the talk with me. And it's this piece of us that wants to be in integrity that can sometimes self-sabotage and stop us from actually doing the work. And and it causes us to forget that we are all a work in progress and have compassion for the fact that we may not be in 100% perfection, integrity all day, every day. The work is really to aim towards it. So can we talk about this idea of talking the talk and walking the walk with both integrity you know, one foot on the tightrope is integrity. The other foot on the tightrope is compassion, self-compassion. Talk about that and how you help your people and yourself. More importantly, how do you help yourself as a leading visionary who's in a state of evolution all the time? So we talked about it before is that that your work, the work that you bring forward is your work. And so it's about really me continuing to do the work of my body of work. And this is really showing up for the last two years. You know, I share with you, I've done a lot of work around shame that I didn't even know was present until it showed up. A lot of work around 
becoming, you know, changing the way that I was and allowing myself and valuing myself to know what that, valuing myself enough that of course I would rest and play because to be anything other than that, I wasn't valuing self. So how I've really done it is knowing that my body of work is my life's work for me first and foremost. And in doing that, then I can be in integrity because it's something that I don't just put aside and go, okay, so now it's all about me helping others because that's ego. That is to me, that's ego driven. If I'm looking to help another, yet I'm not helping self. So I can stand in integrity in my being these days and know that I am constantly doing my work. That is something that I am in integrity. If I was to say, am I in perfection of the wholehearted method, which is a completely different question, I would say no. But then as we said, there is no perfect. But it's an interesting point that you make because there are people on social media that say, unless you are a genius at what you're doing, then you are out of authenticity or out of integrity to share the work. And I disagree with that. That is suggesting that we all need to be perfect in order to be a coach or I need to be perfect before I start a podcast. And that's setting people up for failure. That's setting people up for a life unlived. And we can't evolve. We can't evolve until we step into the arena and then see what's facing us for us to then go and do the work. Mm, Beautiful. I agree. Well, I have time for one more question, Lisa. And so in the case of your body of work, it's really clear that you're here not just to do it for yourself, not just to do this work with a fanful of people, but ultimately because it's your life's work and it could take you 30 or 40 or 50 years to proliferate it. It's really a global body of work that you have been called as one of the vanguard, we'll say, to bring wholeheartedness back to humanity. And so oftentimes as leaders that can feel like we're not just doing our own work, we're not just working with the clients, but we're also working on behalf of the collective. And especially when we tap into these, you know, pockets of shame and so forth, the the denser energies that haven't yet been exposed, it can feel really heavy. So can you talk about how you navigate holding all of that as a leading visionary? When you've done the work yourself and you've stepped through it, you know how to hold the space. You know because you've come through it. You know that on the other side of it there is such liberation and healing. So my ability to hold the vision for that person and the belief and the knowing that it's simply a matter of time and there is no quick way through, it's a matter of going through and unpacking and uncovering it, I know it in my being because I've done it. So I don't waver. They can waver, but then they look at me and I'm standing steady. And so, you know, as a lot of my clients will say, thank you for believing in me. Mm. I held such a strong belief for them because I'd done it for me. Mm. Beautiful. And I think that you also hold that belief for the whole planet, Lisa, because I know your heart. (laughs) I've seen your heart. (laughs) And I know that you hold the belief for the whole planet that it's time for more of us to return home and to return to living in a wholehearted way. It's been my pleasure to have you here today. And listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting 
guest suggestions. You can weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social. Look for the handle at Leading Visionaries Podcast on all of the major platforms. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.